Awesome. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Let me just get set up here. Um, so this story actually <clears throat> happened kind of recently. Uh, a lady at our church, her little four-year-old nephew came to visit, and he comes from a family where God and Jesus are not spoken about at all. And um, <clears throat> so she said, it's Sunday, we're going to church. And so they're in the car, and he asks, why are we going to church? And she says, well, we're going because we're going to go and learn more about God. So the little boy's quiet in the car. And they get out the car, and they start walking to the children's church. And they get to the front of the children's church. And he looks at her, and he says, so where is God? See, when you, don't know what you're, when you don't know who God is, you don't know what you're looking for. <clears throat> um, about 13 years ago, when I was teaching the middle schoolers, the, the next gen they were called then, they're called Roar now, but the middle schoolers, um, I had some of the, the funniest stories ever happen in that age group. I absolutely adore them. And we had these two, uh, they were twin boys, and they had gotten all, all, of their Bible knowledge from the movies. Mm -hmm. So when I was teaching on the Holy Ghost and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and I said, are, are you familiar with this? And they said, yeah. And I'm like, you are? They're like, yeah, we watch paranormal. <laughs> we are familiar with ghosts. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> not the same. I was teaching about the resurrection of Jesus, and they're like, I'm like, Yes, what's your question? They're like, so he came back from the dead. I'm like, yes. They're like, like a zombie? I'm like. <laughs> but you know, this is what happens when you say the word God. If I had to ask you, what do you think of when you hear the word God? What comes to your mind? What do you think of? You know, and I think in this, uh, especially now as we approach Christmas next week, the birth of our God, the birth of Jesus, uh, people have all different kinds of thoughts in their mind about what God is. We would like to think that God has a universal meaning. And maybe like 40 years ago in America, it did. If you said God, most people, I think, then thought of the God of the scriptures, but not, not so much today. No, if you ask people who God is today, God will change depending on your origin of birth, on how you were raised, on what school you attended, on what church you went to, or what movies you watch, right? But the question is, who is God? What is he like? Is he, is he kind and close and involved in your life? Or, or is he cruel and aloof and distant? Is he uptight or is he loving? Is he strong or is he weak? Is he thoughtful or is he spiteful? Did he create you for an experiment or for his pleasure? So who is God? And how you answer these questions will impact the rest of your life and define you. I'm going to read you a quote by A.W. Tozer. He said this, We tend by a secret law of the soul 
to move toward our mental image of God. So what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What? The most important thing about us is what we think about God? Not, not the most important thing, not, not, not your family, not your education, not your upbringing, not your job. The most important thing about you is what you think about God. What he's saying there is what I've said so many times before, is that what we become like what we worship. So if this, if you have an image of God, you are going to move towards that image. That's what he is saying. So what you think about God will shape the rest of your life. Do you see the importance of what you think about God? There was a... <clears throat> A New York, uh, no, sorry, a New Testament uh, professor. He was out just outside of a Chicago, and every year, every semester before he would teach, he had a he taught a class on Jesus. Um, before he would begin the class, what he would do is he'd send out he would make he'd have two surveys. The first survey he'd put out to the class had all kinds of questions on it, like what are your likes, what are your dislikes, what are you passionate about, are you an introvert or an extrovert, you know, all those kinds of questions. They'd fill them out, turn them back in, and then he'd send out a second survey, and th that survey had the exact same questions on it, but about Jesus. And he said 90% of the time, the surveys were exactly the same. So if the person was an introvert and kind and loved animals, well, then God was an introvert, kind, and loved animals. See, because man has a tendency to create God in our image. Here's a test to see if you've created God in your image. He agrees with you on everything. He likes the people you like. He dislikes the things you dislike. He agrees with you on your definition of morality and sexuality. And, of course, number one, he voted for the same people you voted for. <laughs> See, the problem with this God is he is boring because he's tame and he's controlled by you and he's also a figment of your imagination. So what we believe about God really shows us more about ourselves than about God. So today, will you open your heart, your mind, your spirit, and make this your prayer and just say, God, show me who you really are. Show me, God. Show me who you really God. I want to see you, God, as you are. So then let's allow God's story about himself, the Bible, to tell us who he really is. Yes, this is a story about God, not us. I know we like to think that because there's a lot in here for us, but it's actually not about us. It's about him. So let's see. Let's go to the source and let's allow God to speak for himself. And we're going to read from Exodus 
chapter 33. We're going to pick up the story. It's the second book in the Bible, if you're new to God's story. And we're going to read from verse 7. Okay, so this is Moses. We're going to, he's, if what's just happened, you know, Moses, he freed the Israelites. They were captive in Egypt. Remember the 10 plagues? He got them all free. They're out in the desert. It's a whole story. So this is where we're picking it up. Verse 7, Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Can you just imagine that? Seeing that cloud come down over that tent. All the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door and the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend. How cool is that? God spoke to him face to face. Now we know he didn't literally see his face because the Bible says no man can see God's face. It meant his his presence. He stood right there. His voice talking to him. He He conversed with him like you would a friend. Not like, God, is that you? Anybody out there? No. God right in front of him. So what do you see from that scripture? You see that God is relational. He wants to be your friend. He's relational, all right? So let's pick up at verse 12. Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. That I may, and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. He's saying, if you're pleased with me like you say you are and you know my name, then, then please just t- then teach me about yourself. Show me what are your passions, what do you like, what don't you like. I want to know all there is to know about you. Teach me about you, okay? So this is what the Lord says to him in return. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to Moses, says, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't bring us up from here. How many of you would say that? If you got some promotion, something that took you, would you say, God, if you're not going with me, I don't want it. But people do it all the time. They get a promotion. Oh, I have to work Sundays. God will understand. Just throwing that out there. Moving on. And he says... Verse, I read verse 15, verse 16. Uh, Let's keep it to 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He's like, I'm going to answer your prayers. Verse 18. And he said, and Moses says, please show me your glory. When we think of glory, we think of uh, like fame, right? What's your fame? But in, in Hebrew, what, he, what it meant here is your beauty and your presence. 
I want to experience your beauty and your presence. I don't want to just hear about you or see about you. I want to be in your presence. There's just something about when you're in somebody's presence, you sense them, you feel them. You could read their body language. You can get an idea of who this person is in somebody's presence. Without them speaking, you can read them. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, God, just let me be in that presence. I'll know you. I'll understand you. I want to see you, God. I want to see everything there is. Then he says, verse 19, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. That is my glory. That's his glory is his goodness. Have you ever realized that God is so good that is his presence? Goodness. Goodness is God's glory. That is his presence right there. He says, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So what happens then? Moses is like, he's... God gives him instructions like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go down the mountain. You're going to get ready, blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to come up to the mountain. And Moses comes up the next day. You can read the story by yourself. And we go to Exodus 34, verses 6. So he, he gets up there, and the Lord says, I'm going to pass by you, and I'm going to proclaim my name to you now. And so he tucks him in the rocks because he's about to pass by, and he covers his face so that he doesn't see him as he passes by, because that's how powerful he is. He needed protection from God as he passed by. So let's read this scripture as God declares who he is. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So this is God. He's saying, you want to know who I am? This is who I am. And he passes by and he says this. Now, before we get to the scripture, you're like, well, who had God said he was before? Well, little history for you. Go back to Genesis 1 in the beginning. God says in the beginning, God. Remember, the Bible wasn't written in English. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. So the language doesn't always translate as well as it does if you were able to read it in Hebrew versus English. So that word God is Elohim. It just simply means God, all right? So you skip a few pages ahead. Now you see God, and he's talking with Abraham. And he's 99 years old, and God appears to him, and he says, I am the Lord God Almighty. And we're like, woohoo, Lord God Almighty. But that word is actually El Shaddai. Moses, I'm sorry, Abraham, the, where he was, he was at a time where they were worshipers of many gods. He was a moon worshiper. They believed there was a God for creation and a God for the rain and a God for the sun and a God for the moon. And the Canaanites used the word El meant God. So God shows up and he says to Abraham, I am El, he recognizes that God, Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I am the God above all other gods. I am the creator God above all creator gods. I, you don't need any other God anymore because I am God Almighty. I am all powerful. I am all satisfying. I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. And that's how Abraham understood who God was. 
Then you skip ahead and you see a few hundred years later, now Moses, he's out in the fields and he sees a burning bush. He's minding his own business and this bush is burning. So he turns aside and he goes over to the bush. And then God gives him this great command to go and free his people. All right. And he says, how? And he says, well, I'm going to go, but who should I say is sending me? Now, in, in English, we think he's asking, what name should I say is sending me? In the Old Testament, the, the names carried a lot of weight. They, they really defined somebody's character. Not so much today. My dad and I were at AT&T getting um, new phones, which we both detest, uh, the process. But uh, so we're in there, and this, this, this young guy is helping us, and he was hilarious. And his name was Hamid. And so it's an interesting name, right? But we're in Escondido. He, he looked Mexican, but we were like Hamid. And so my dad says, that's an interesting name, Hamid. Are you, are you originally Pakistan, Afghan? He's like, no, 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 I'm Mexican. And we were like, but Hamid? He goes, yeah, 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 first names don't matter. Can be anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we totally started laughing. He was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the first name. But in, in the Old Testament, the name meant something. Eve, living thing, Jesus, Savior. It had a meaning. It defined your character. So when Moses is asking who is sending me, he's like, which character? Who are you? This is when God says to him, Yahweh. Yahweh. Now, we don't have, they didn't have the vowels, the A and the E then, so it's pronounced Yahweh as best they could pronounce it. And that meant I am who I am. So that's what Yahweh is. So that's where you see it. You know, and the, if you ask God, I mean, if you ask, I think if you ask most Christians uh, to describe God, most, of, most people, I think, would say things like, God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful, exactly. Or he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing, right? Or he's, you know, he's, he, he's they would, would describe his power when they talk about God, not really his character. God doesn't start that way. God describes himself starting with his character. So you'd seen the names of him, but this is the first time where God describes what he is like. This is the first time in scripture we see not what he is, but who he is. You know, if you had to ask me, um, tell me about your husband, Terry. What, what is he you know, what, who is he? Well, you know, I could, if I said, well, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's tall, he's, he's dark-haired, he's a mechanical engineer, he's handsome, you'd be like, okay, I, I get it. That's what he is, but that's not who he is. No, who he is is tender-hearted, dependable, and loving. See, so what this scripture is, this scripture is God telling us, who he is. Do you know that this is the most quoted passage in the Bible by the Bible? It is quoted close to 27 times, or if not more, in just the Old Testament alone. What happened is after God tells him who he is, now the other writers of some of the other books in the Bible, like David, uh, the prophet Joel, Jonah, they all circle back to this quote. They either quote it directly, part of it, portion of it, allusion to it, uh, metaphor of it. Even in the New Testament, Paul quotes it. 
whether it's they're asking God for the redemption or whether they're asking God for his mercy or his justice or, re or reminding God of who he is loving-wise. It is the most quoted passage in the Bible. If I had to say to you, what does John 3.16 say, what would you say? For God to love the world, right? As New Testament believers, John 3.16 is our, we everybody knows it. Well, for the Old Testament believers, this was their John 3.16. But for us New Testament believers, you should have this memorized. Take a photo, hang it up on your fridge, plaster it all around, start memorizing this scripture because this scripture gives all the vocabulary we need to describe the God we believe in. And as I said before, it is so important that you understand and fully grasp the God you believe in because it will shape the rest of your life. I wish I had time to unpack all of this, this uh, verse, and maybe I'll continue at some point in the new year with it. Because it's just so important. You need to look at these definitions of who God is. But for today, let's begin with the verse, the beginning of it, the Lord, the Lord God. Now, you might be saying, well, why, why is it repeated? Well, in, in Scripture, a lot of times when they would show repetition, it was for importance. They want to show you this is important. Pay attention. So this is God giving his name, the Lord, the Lord God. But God's name is actually not God, if you didn't know that. And as I said before, it's written, the, the Bible was written in Hebrew. So this here, the Lord, is Yahweh. That is what we're talking about, Yahweh. You can't directly translate it just like you can't directly translate a lot of Spanish to English. It's the same thing. But the closest, closest translation is I am who I am. And as I said, we see this name first given when he talks to Moses. This name, Yahweh, it means I am self-existent. I am before all things. I am the creator of all things. I am I am, he, God is not evolving. God is not deficient in anything. He doesn't need anyone or anything. He is eternal. He is infinite. He is, I am who I am. He is basically saying, I am always who I am. I am unchanging. Now, I know some of you, you know, there, I, I know some people here are like notoriously happy people, right? You know, or maybe you're a kind person or a happy person, but you're not happy all the time. You're not happy 100% of the time. I can ask your wife if you're not sure. But, uh, or you're not kind all the time. You might know somebody who's funny, but it's not all the time. God is saying, I am always merciful. I am always faithful. I am always gracious. I am unchanging. You can rely on me because I am always good. That's what he is saying here. Do you know that Yahweh occurs 6,800 times in the Old Testament? Yahweh. And as time passed, what happened was it's just one of the many reasons that, that it's not because you're like, why, why doesn't it say I am who I am every time we read it instead of 
the Lord. <clears throat> because as the time passed by, only the priests were permitted to say Yahweh. Because according to, you know, the Ten Commandments, don't use the Lord's name in vain. They got afraid that they were going to use it in vain. So they wanted to not say it. So only the priests said it. And then they made, they were like, well, let's give him something more formal so we don't, so we don't get in trouble. Therefore, the name Adonai came in. Adonai means my Lord. So that's why in the scripture you see my Lord, because it was they in Hebrew, it's Adonai. But God is a person. I, I, I don't mean God as a human being. I mean God is a relational person. And what you call somebody shows the depth of your relationship. You call Dr. Henry pastor or pastor. I call him dad. But calling God Lord would be like me calling my dad Dr. Henry. It shows respect, but not intimacy or relationship. I'm not, I'm not saying don't call God Lord. Please hear me. I'm not saying don't call him Lord. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just wanting to stir your heart so that you would lean in and talk to him from the relationship that you have with him. Because that's what he wants. Yahweh. So then next he goes on, you're looking at that scripture, he goes on to say, he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Merciful and gracious. That merciful there is actually talking about compassion. You know, I think the best way they, when they try and describe it in this is they say that it's the compassion a mother has for her child. You know, when that baby cries, the mom is up and at it, right? doesn't matter if, it, if it's the middle of the night or the child has fallen or whatever happens. That mom, that compassion to get to that child to take care of it, it's there. Even if the mother never sleeps, that baby is taken care of, right, mothers? It's that compassion that a mother has. God is saying, that's the compassion I have for you. You cry, I'm there. I'm there. I'm watching you. I'm with you. If you can understand, that's how merciful and compassionate he is towards you. The thing is, children of his, he expects us to do the same. He expects us to show that kind of mercy and compassion to those around us. Because he is showing it to us constantly. He wants you to do the same. And not just because it's Christmas. <laughs> We need to live in that state of where we're like showing compassion to other people around us. Be like Jesus. Be imitators of him. He goes on to say that he is slow to anger. That means he is patient with us. God does not have a short fuse. Now, for some of you, you might have grown up in a home where somebody had a temper problem. Or maybe that's you. You have the temper problem. And now what you do is you project that onto God. So you think God has a temper problem for you. So every time you mess up or every time you don't do everything perfect, you almost cower because you're waiting for the wrath to come down because that's how you are or that's how you were raised. But God says he is slow to anger. 
And we see this all through scripture, time and time and time again. God gives people chance after chance after chance. Half the time I'm like, God, just kill them already. You know, <laughs> like seriously with these Israelites, like, you know, come on now. You haven't read the Bible like that? <laughs> Tell the truth and shame the devil. Come on. Don't leave me out here by myself. Folks, we have been repeat offenders so many times. And God and his mercy and his graciousness and his slow to anger just keeps leading you back to repentance. Leading you back to repentance. He is slow, slow to anger. Full of mercy and compassion. It goes on also to talk about not leaving the guilty unpunished for the sin and the rebellion. And we're, we're going to get to that. And I wish I could touch on all of these, but just in order to save time today, I want to skip ahead and show you how Jesus fits into the story. All right? So let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 14. Scripture we all know and love. And look at the wording as we read it in comparison to the Old Testament. And the word, which we know is God, and the word God became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is tabernacled, tabernacle. So the word God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, which means his beauty and presence. We beheld his beauty and his presence, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is a quote from Exodus chapter 34. Translated out, it can either be grace and truth or love and faithfulness from Exodus 34. So you see the language here. God became flesh, dwelt, tabernacled among us, and we beheld his beauty and his presence, the glory of the begotten Father, full of grace and truth or love and faithfulness. Skip down to verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, there it is again, came through Jesus Christ. So John is retelling the story. John is retelling the story, and he is saying, in Jesus we see God's glory. In the person of Jesus, we see his beauty. We experience his presence. We get to see all of God, who he is in Jesus. Jesus is the answer to Moses' prayer. God, show me your glory. Hi, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Let me show you this. Philippians 2 verse 9. Let's go there. <clears throat> Turn that page here. I'll read it from there. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That there, Jesus Christ is Lord, that Lord, Lord Adonai, Adonai, Yahweh. That Jesus Christ is Yahweh. That Jesus Christ is God. That Yahweh is God in the flesh. 
The God of the Old Testament that sometimes people say, oh, he's grumpy and mean and angry. No, he's gracious, kind, compassionate, loving. He showed up in Jesus. If you want to know who God is, read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Let me ask you, is Jesus compassionate in the Gospels? Yes. Was he kind and loving? Was he faithful? Was he slow to anger? Yes, then that is God in person. You got to witness Yahweh, Almighty God, El Shaddai, in person of Jesus. And that scripture says that we read in Exodus 34, that he will not leave the guilty unpunished, the rebellion, the sin, the sin in your life, all the sins you committed, the, the not living holy. Somebody has to pay because he is a righteous God. So he sends Jesus to die in your place. He sends Yahweh to die in your place, to take the justice deserved, proving again that he is loving, compassionate, gracious, and merciful. Don't ever say that God is angry or mean or just he deserves. No. Yes, the sin needs to be punished. Rebellion needs to be punished. But Yahweh did it himself, proving he is gracious and merciful and kind all over again. I'm going to finish since it's Christmas. I'm wrapping it up with this last name. Matthew 1, verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. He is God with us. Almighty, powerful, compassionate, merciful, loving God with you and I. And this theme of God with us continues through the book of Matthew to the very end of the book of Matthew, culminating with Jesus sending us on the Great Commission. Jesus is saying, go out into the world, make disciples, share about me, tell everybody you can about me. And the very last line of the book of Matthew says, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the God we serve, Yahweh, El Shaddai, the God Almighty, the creator of all, most loving, most compassionate, most merciful God who says, I am never leaving you. That's who we serve. I would hope that this would stir in you a desire to know the God who is the God of the Bible. Not the God that you've created in your mind or that you allow yourself with your own insecurities and your own brokenness to create. But the true God. The God that desires and demands holiness. Make a, make a decision. 
2023 is going to be different. I'm not going to let a cuss word come out of my mouth. I'm not going to let an angry word be spoken. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to gossip about anybody. I'm going to hold myself to a higher standard because God Almighty not only deserves it, but he, he wants that from me, but he's given me the Holy Spirit so that I can do it. He hasn't left you on your own by trying to do it out of your own works. He's given you the Holy Spirit so that you can rise up and say, God, I can do this with you. But God, you deserve it. You've given me everything. How could I want anything to do with sin? When I've got this God almighty creator of heaven and earth, compassionate, merciful, kind, loving, just God, who Yahweh died on the cross for me. God, open my eyes to see you as you truly are. close your eyes with me this morning. Maybe, you know, maybe this is, <clears throat> maybe you've heard this and you're like, yes, I'm on that road. I'm on that. I, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm being, I, I, I'm getting to know God. I know the Lord. Um, I, I want I want to know you more, God, uh, but you're already a Christian. You're already walking that path. Then I'm going to ask for, then I'm going to ask you to become an imitator of God. To become, what does it mean to become an imitator? That means to, to do what, to share with other people who God is. Make that decision in your heart, God, I want to re re represent you. I want to reflect you, God. I want to show others who you are. And so I'm going to make a decision to be more compassionate, more kind, more caring. I'm going to make that. I want to imitate you. I want to reflect you, God. But maybe you don't know God like that. Maybe you're like, I want to know this Jesus. I have been wrong. This is not the God I was taught. This is not what I was shown. This is not who I thought God was, who you described today. I want to know that God. That's the kind of God I want to know. That's the kind of father I want to have because that's what he wants to be. Not just your savior, not just your Lord, but your father. If that's you, just raise your hand. God is watching. Thank you for those hands. God is watching. He sees your heart. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. I want us to do something today as a declaration. Just keep your eyes closed. If you felt like as I spoke that the, that the, almost like the scales fell from your heart, your eyes of your heart, that you saw God differently and you realized, wow, God, I, I, I've been projecting myself onto you this whole time. And that the true God met you today. And you just want to make that declaration of like, God, I'm, I'm standing today to show you that I'm going to see you differently. I'm going to love you differently. I'm letting that go. Just stand. I'm not making a big deal. I just want you to have a moment with the Lord. Just stand in your seat and just say, God... That's me today. I'm, I'm seeing you differently. It's not a salvation stand. It's just a, God, I want to 
I'm standing as I'm watching the scales fall from my eyes. I'm standing as I'm watching religion drop from who I used to be. I'm standing because I don't care what, what my father said or my mother said or, or, or what society says. I'm standing today because I want to know you, Yahweh. All you are, God Almighty, El Shaddai. I want to know you not just as Savior, but merciful, loving, kind, good God. I want all of you, God, if that's your heart, then just stand. Just stand. It's just between you and the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We can just have some music playing, please. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just talk to the Lord. Just talk to the Lord. He's your Father. And if this is your first time ever, thank you for all the people standing. Thank you for all the people standing. It's between you and God. How important is he? Do you care what your friends think or what everybody else thinks? If your heart is beating inside of you, that's your moment between you and the Lord. He's talking to you. He's been talking to you this whole service. Honor him. Honor him and stand. And say, God, I choose you today. Father, I choose you. Savior. Thank you, Yahweh, for dying in my place. That every sin I've ever committed is gone and washed away in your blood, Jesus. How precious, Jesus, are you. I receive it all. And today I receive your mercy. Some of you sitting here, you need that mercy. You need that compassion. You feel like you've, you've done things and you're like, oh, man, I've messed up. How did I mess up? I didn't live up to whatever I wanted to well, stand and just receive that mercy today. Just receive his compassion. He's a good God. Let his love meet you wherever you are today. Let his love meet you. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for opening our eyes, God, to who you are. El Shaddai. The God of more than enough. All-sufficient one, all-powerful, Yahweh, precious God, thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you're slow to anger. Thank you for being patient with us, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, thank you for being with us and never, ever leaving us. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you. Go ahead and stand, everybody, this morning. If I can have the ministry team come down front. You know who God is. I've just showed him to you. If you need anything this morning, you need prayer for anything, I want you to walk forward with expectation that it's already done. That even as you walk forward to receive prayer, that the miracle takes place because you understood who God is. He is not withholding. So if you need prayer, when you come forward and they lay hands on you, you receive that miracle because that's the God we serve. Amen.
Thank you, everybody. We'll dis you're dismissed. If anybody needs prayer, come forward. If we can have catchers, and then we'll have the catchers meeting right after the prayer time. Right down front, the catchers meeting will be right down front in the stage, right after they finish prayer.